0: Welcome to the Leadership Drip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to our table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit the subscribe button? And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip.
1: Rob, welcome back. We are launching season five of the podcast. Did you ever think we'd reach five seasons?
0: I did not, actually, (laughs) think we'd reach five seasons.
1: (laughs) You are full of faith today, friend.
0: but yeah, it's it's a faith day today. It's a
1: faith day. <laughs> hey, what we have today is John Ramstead. he's a former naval fighter pilot. You're a Marine, correct? That's
0: correct. Former United States Marine. That's correct. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So a fellow uh, service member for the United That's States, right. retired naval fighter pilot, Fortune 500 manager. He calls himself a serial entrepreneur. Um, he's a survivor of a horseback riding. He's going to tell us more about that, that required 25 surgeries. And he most recently authored a book called On Purpose With Purpose. Mm -hmm. You love the word purpose from your Saddleback days. I do. So I think this is a great guest for you. I'm a
0: purpose-driven man, let me tell you that much.
1: (laughs) John, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, guys. So I I have to ask the question because, and I told you off the air, I can't even parallel park a car, and you've flown fighter jets and landed them on a moving object. What is it like to go from zero to 150 miles per hour in like two seconds? It is awesome. <laughs> is it? Is
0: it actually? It's less than two seconds, right? It's like,
2: well, when you first when you're on the catapult and you and they launch you, right? You're just sitting there. You're literally at in the F-14. We were at full afterburner. You're burning 2,000 pounds of gas a minute. That airplane is rattling and shaking because it's in a fitting it can't move until the catapult fires when you're in that position and then all of a sudden you're just sitting there and then it is boom and at the very and I mean just imagine your entire body just being co- compressed yeah and then you you know you look down and you're at 150 miles an hour and you're flying I mean it's like happened it feels like it happens that fast I loved it they actually the, the thing that was a bit unnerving was doing it at night. You get catapulted off the front of the aircraft carrier into absolute pitch black. And at the end of the catapult stroke, there's this huge thump. It actually kind of a little, little bit jarring and all my instruments went out and I had a, and I couldn't see anything. Mm. Like I had no reference. It's pitch black. And I'm like, Oh God, don't let me fly into the water. Don't let me fly into the water. And, um, from that night on, I always had cl- got a special flashlight with a red light to shine on my dashboard as I launched, just to make sure that never happened again. Because oh my so, goodness.
1: so I feel like there's, I feel like there's a great leadership principle here that you can yeah. teach us in this like in the darkness moment already. So so <laughs> as leaders, I think sometimes like we feel like we hit that, we're running full speed, it goes black, we don't know what to do. What what did you do in that moment? um well you know what you don't have time to panic
2: yeah you literally don't right like the oh crap thing might flash into your head but you know what you can't stay there um what you have to what i did uh i love how you just linked this into leadership was um look for any way any reference anything on my artificial horizon i could see just enough of it to keep what i thought was my nose above the horizon and my wings level Mm -hmm. and in, in what i think is in those those deepest darkest moments those trials that we go through maybe it's uh anybody that's out there as an entrepreneur it's a business decision that you've never made before you don't feel equipped to make you don't feel prepared to make and guess what uh oftentimes not making a decision for us is not an option
1: yeah
0: yeah
2: and so, what we have, what you have to do, I really think, is do the best we can to prepare for that moment, so that we have the foundations in place, the fundamentals in place in our faith, uh, our values being connected to our our beliefs. Um, I think our identity; these are all huge pieces that just operate in the background. And I think now, even more than ever, in this environment. Um, the decisions a lot of us are making just feel like we're making them in almost that same place Mm -hmm. yeah. because we just don't have, think about it. You're there. It's night. It's dark. Right. right? I had no, I had no information. Things were very uh, ambiguous. And I think a lot of us feel exactly like that today because we don't know what the, that's part of the economy that we're operating in looks like or my business or what government regulations might be, how they're affecting us. So, It's a similar situation actually
0: yeah yeah I think it's such a key point especially in leadership because when crisis moments happen or or things go dark let's just (laughs) stay, stay with the analogy I think a lot of times what we look for are things that we depend on that aren't there right so we look for the things that we're accustomed to or the things that feel normal or the things that that we can depend on and they don't exist and so in a leadership moment especially in a crisis moment sometimes you've got to go with what you're given and what you were given was a small glimpse of enough of your horizon to keep that nose and your wings above the water right so i think as leaders a lot of times what we have to do is we have to be able to actually take what's given make the best decision possible and and lead through the crisis and you know Hopefully, on the other side, most of the time, it comes out okay. I guess sometimes it doesn't, right? As a serial entrepreneur, I suppose some of your, your adventures probably have not came out the way you anticipated, right? Uh,
2: yep. <laughs> That's
0: an easy answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet. I bet. Well, this this uh, this word purpose, All right? So you, you wrote a book about purpose, and purpose is... Um, One of those buzzwords, obviously, in church, uh, with my background, uh, you know, working for the pastor who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, right? I mean, one of the highest selling books of all time. Uh, But even in the business world, purpose matters, right? Uh, Having a purpose. And I think we've seen, especially in the last decade or so, maybe in 20 years or so, a shift in corporate sort of identity, organizational structure, uh, sort of value, kind of reframing itself around purpose, not just production. So what is, what is it about this word uh, that's kind of driving, driving uh, churches, businesses, um, even the culture now, and sort of discovering purpose?
2: Well, I think, you know, it is in every single one of us to want to, let's say, understand why we're here. Right. right. What is the meaning of, like, my life, right? Like, we're going to talk about my accident, but I, I was dead. Right? Why was I given a second chance? What is the purpose in it? Like, it's one of these questions that's constantly there. When we know it, when we know our why, um, I there there's I think there's a huge gap when people feel stress, when we feel anxiety, when we just feel disconnected from either the meaning of our life or the meaning of our work or even doing meaningful mm-hmm. work. I think it's, it's, it's the difference between how connected we are with purpose. But here's something, though, um, as a practitioner and student of leadership for 30-plus years. Our, our, everything focuses on, and I think the leadership industry has done all of us a disservice, we all focus on the why and the what and the how. And those things are incredibly important. There's people that have made in, huge careers on those. Do you know that here in the United States on average per year, and I think it's every year for the last 10 years, I think this came out of a Harvard study, 24 billion with a B is spent by U.S. companies on leadership training. And does anybody think that like right now we might have a little bit of a leadership crisis? Yeah. Just a thought. Here's the other thing. Um, You look at Gallup and all their data on leadership on engagement on retention, on well-being, um, on uh, actively active disengagement. Do you know none of those numbers? With all of that spending on leadership, it has not changed in ten years. Matter of fact, it's gotten mm-hmm. a little bit worse. And here's what I believe happens: is there is something missing, and it's foundational, and that is who, who mm-hmm. you are as a leader. Because here's what I found. I was always seeking purpose in my career. I became a believer after I got out of the Navy. I was 27 years old and I never really connected to a purpose. So I was driven by um, how do I maximize my income? How do I maximize my opportunities? How do I maximize my title and recognition? Because my identity, as you could hear in that language, was completely external.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I didn't know who I was. And let's just say that uh, another thing for everybody listening, um, let's say you guys agreed to mentor me. Like, man, I'm so pumped, right? Just your background. Uh, and you could take your best stuff, your best coaching and teaching and experience and wisdom and give it to me. But if I run it through a flawed person, right, I have limiting beliefs. My, I have a fixed mindset. I have a um i react poorly in certain situations or with certain kind of people i am not going to get the results that you hoped i'd get or probably that i hoped i would get and so here's what i found and this is the complete premise of my book is when we discover that best version of ourselves and we start moving toward that mm-hmm then all of a sudden my purpose was absolutely right in front of me. It was crystal clear. And before it had always been a mystery. And for me, what I realized was I was, I was going about it backwards. I was trying to figure out the why before I worked on John and uh, to put it in just, I mean, for me, uh, it was a question I was sitting down. um, Well, how about this? I think there's a huge difference for most of us for that person that we see in the mirror. And who God sees when he looks down at us. Yeah. And you know what? And the bigger that gap is, I think the more that I think that is the root cause of a lot of our anxiety and stress and discontent. Yeah. As I started working on closing that gap and asking God what he sees and how do I see this from your perspective? And, you know, what did you how did you create me? And then I could start asking, what did you create me for? And then the why Cause those things just lined up the, why the purpose, the calling just was um, then it was like rocket fuel. Cause it all made sense.
1: Yeah. From a guy who understands rocket fuel. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally, yeah. literally understands rocket fuel. <laughs> John, you, you mentioned the why piece, which when we talk purpose is often the word we link to Simon Sinek. Yeah. If leaders are familiar, start with why that's sort of his premise. Is it, in your understanding that if when if we start with who we land on why or how are those two how are those two things linked the who and the why
2: think well think about what's really around the who right when you understand uh your passions Mm -hmm. like i'll sit down with a client and just say hey what are you passionate about here's a quick example okay um he said fly fishing i'm like fly fishing okay write it down no judgment zone here, fly fishing. I'm like, but what is it about fly fishing? He goes, man, I love spending time alone in, you know, on a river with God. This is my quiet time. I'm like, so is one of the things you're passionate about, just quiet time in nature, really just connected with the Father? He said, absolutely. And I said, what else? He goes, oh, well, I love this. I bring people up one at a time. My, my son, my business partner, a customer, and we have deep, meaningful conversations on the river for hours at a time. I'm like, would that be a passion of yours? Deep. I mean, just talking with somebody, deep conversations. I said, he said, yes. I said, what else? Um, he said, you know what I love doing is volunteering for uh, living waters. It, they bring veterans up into the mountains and they guide and they, it's just this amazing rest restorative uh, ministry. But he said that my favorite thing, he just lit up is taking these soldiers that have never been in the mountains and fly fishing. They've been in combat and they catch a fish and they're. And they're like smiling, and he, and I said, would it be fair to say that one of the things you're passionate about is uh, to teach people and mentor people in a skill that then they can apply and help them succeed? in? And he like lit up. And I said, and we went through another more some other passions of his. And I said, now, do any of those show up right now in your role of CEO, CEO of a uh, about a 200 person company? He said, no, none of them are. None of those elements of those passions. I said. How does that reshape maybe how you um, look at your role? He says, you know what my purpose is? My purpose is to go out right now and shape and equip and disciple. He's a believer, right? Leaders. I want to go up. And like, he totally changed his frame of reference. So looking at our passions, looking at our values, looking at our spiritual gifts and our strengths and the skills, if we actually look at ourselves and we in our we look at our mindsets, and we start putting these together. It's a place I call convergence. All of a sudden, it it gives you these incredible clues. This is what it did for me, anyway. On what is that? Why and how does it link to who I am? Because as soon as I have those two, then I then I can figure out what to do. Yeah, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's great. And it brings up another question that you talk about in your book and in, in your podcast and some of your work about true north mm. um, and sort of that, that beacon point for us to, to go after. How do we then discover that true north, whether it be through passions or gifts or skills or whatever the process is, how do we identify that and how do we move towards it?
2: Well, think about you know, when you're flying a mission, right? You, ought, you have to know, you have to have a navigational reference. You have to be able to set an initial course. And then if you get off course, you have to have something that gives you a, a reference to make a course correction back. And for me, that true north, if this answers your question, let me know. Um, but A, it's understanding God's nature. Who is God? This person that we're trusting right? Uh, Who we are in relationship with. I was, I was in God's presence at my accident. And when, and it changed my understanding of who he is and his nature and the love, what true unconditional love is in an instant. Um, And it was transformative for me. And the, and the second thing is I think is identity Um, because I think honestly, We have all been bound by these chains of a false identity because we think about as we move through life, um, if we want to look at the big picture, right? There are forces that are trying to prevent us to step into not only who God created us to be, but those works that he prepared beforehand for us to do. Yeah. And through our experiences in our life and things that have been said to us, and even what we think other people might think about us, and we fill in these gaps, that We all of a sudden we create this narrative, right? And this, that's the person in the mirror. And it's these chains of this false identity that, that just hold us back. We have to break those chains and move into our identity in Christ. And I believe, personally, it's those two elements, more than anything else, is really for me it is my true north and i've talked about how i connected to both of those in the book because now i actually have a clear path or a clear reference on hey what is the course i should be on how do i correct back when it is dark out and i have to make a decision what is a decision that's in alignment with what that is and my understanding of it in this moment yeah
0: i think uh John, I mean obviously uh, a man with your with your resume and just in terms of being a Navy pilot, I mean and the incredible difficulty that that is just to qualify anyway. so so you're you're a person who has not undergone, I mean who has not been absent of uh, difficult challenges in your life, right? So we've already mentioned the accident a couple times, but even before the show you talked about a kind of a heartbreaking sort of career changing uh, accident as well when, you were a week away from from reporting to the to Top Gun Academy, and you got hit in the eye, and that was it. Career was over, right? And so uh, that's that's a devastating setback. And then, of course the the horse accident that you mentioned already. Um, I mean that's a that's a life and death moment, right? That's that's a life changing uh, uh, moment for you. So in leadership, there's no question. Leadership is hard, right? If you don't want adversity, don't go into leadership. Don't be a leader, right? I mean. With leadership comes adversity, it comes challenges, comes difficulty. So for you, with some of these life challenges that you have had to endure or undergo, either voluntarily or involuntarily, um, how have you kind of grown through those? What have been some of the key things that have helped you persevere and, and learn through that?
2: Um, mostly, well, I, I'm a master of what I call delayed intelligence,
0: because
2: <laughs> I, usually... Usually I look back at a situation and go, you know what, I could have, A, I should have said this and it would have been a real zinger because, you know, I was kind of, you know, buzzed (laughs) off or it'd be like, you know, I could have handled that better. But you know what, um, I'll never forget. I was, if you guys know who Lance now is, I was, um, I was able to sit down with him as I was recovering from this accident and looking back at my whole career and he had me do an exercise that was really powerful. And he did, you know, those big sheets you use, like at a conference thing, you know, right now you can stick on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. one of those, and he had me turn it sideways and put a big horizontal line through the middle. He said, John, I want you to go all the way back as far as you can and start uh, mapping things relative to you as they're high and low from your spiritual journey. Right, like as, you know, getting out of the Navy, imagine when your entire identity is rooted, and this has been my dream since a kid as a fighter pilot as a Naval officer. And that's completely gone. And think about this, this is now I'm out. I couldn't find a job. And I got a job at a cell phone company and I'm going door to doors in neighborhoods, knocking on doors, hoping somebody is home to sell enough phones to pay my rent. And the sounds of my dreams are flying over my head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was literally like, it was one of the lowest points in my life. Mm -hmm. And so this is mapped low. And all these other different things in my life, highs and lows. And then we started looking at each one of these. And what was happening at the low point? What happened in that transition from the high to the low? How, can you see how you got out of that valley? What was happening? Were there people around you? Were you praying? And he helped me start looking at context of all of these things. And he asked me an interesting question. He said, do any of these places here have um, a, a deep... Uh, Emotional connection, painful. It's still there's still brokenness there. And I said, Yeah, there's a couple that do. They really do. And he says, You know what? Healing needs to still take place. These are the places you really need to bring up in prayer. Because what if you started looking at each one of these? And there's some of them, there's still some healing going on, but mm. each one of these as an asset that has equipped you and prepared you for today.
1: Mm.
2: Because there's people I can serve and help today that. I could not help if, had I not gone through some of that stuff. And now as I go through stuff, like, uh, we were about to launch this book two months ago, you know, our whole family got COVID. I wasn't worried. Everybody I knew in my whole family, even a lot older than me, it was a mild flu. Um, I found my, I was in the ICU for a week, almost didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And then I've been on oxygen for the last two and a half months. I actually just got off of it and they thought my lungs were permanently damaged. At first, I couldn't. I had to cancel every meeting in my calendar for the, almost the last month. And I think I had to reschedule with you guys. That was because of COVID. Um, and now you go through stuff like that. And now I, I wasn't even worried because every time in the past, one of the things that exercise showed me was God's faithfulness mm. in some of the mm. most difficult, hardest, darkest days in my life and the best days. And I knew that even though I couldn't work and I had to cancel everything in my calendar and maybe my body is permanently ravaged unless God heals me, which he actually did last weekend, it's a whole nother story, (laughs) Um, then I'm, you know what, I'm good with it because I trust God. And I think it's that mindset for me now as I go in. And so there's been a lot of preparation, praying, reading, being with friends, being in community with people, understanding myself. Um, because whenever we are going to go through adversity there there's three seasons and they just keep repeating we're either going into a storm we're in a storm or we're coming out of a storm yeah and you know repeat so when we when we go into that storm nothing stays the same so i i'm always trying to do the best i can to prepare myself to in the storm that some part of my life physically emotionally spiritually um is gonna is going to learn something and emerge maybe a little bit stronger. I mean that would be a win for me versus the other thing is uh you
1: you let it define you and then you go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
0: That's
1: good. It's your perspective. John, we've sort of touched on the horseback riding accident. I know it's a pinnacle sort of critical point in the journey. Um for a guy that was flying planes at, I don't know, they go like 500 miles an hour. So no, they I've been, uh, <laughs> the fastest I ever was, was 1,109 knots, which I think is 1,300 miles an hour. Okay, I just threw up a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so for a guy moving at a very high rate of speed, yeah. you were riding a horse, and of all things, that was the cause of a major accident in your life tell us that story how that happened the recovery god's hand in that tell us about that
2: yeah so i'm in a a retreat for a ministry called family talk um that dr dobson started and there's just i don't know 15 or 16 of us and we're gonna go horseback riding to have lunch and i'm the first one saddled and my horse all of a sudden just literally bolts and he takes off and i'm laying flat on my back and his rump is pounding me in the shoulder blades and i was scared i was going to get kicked off the back you know fall off the back of this horse and get kicked in the head and get killed and so i did the only one the one thing i could think of doing and that is to squeeze with my legs as hard as i could now i what i didn't know at the time cuz i'm not a horse person your horse people are probably cringing right now i'm telling the horse to go faster mm-hmm. yeah and that dude's like "roger that" and he found another gear <laughs> <deer>. like bro <boom. laughs> i'm like "whoa" like at first I'm like, okay, this is cool. But then I'm like, this isn't cool. I like, you know, when you're on a horse, you're up high, you yeah. know, I don't know does a horse run 30, 40 miles an hour. Like I was not comfortable, but then I look up and we're heading straight at a steel corral fence about 80 yards in front of us. And I literally, and he's going faster and he's, go, he's accelerating this whole time. I couldn't get him to turn. I couldn't get him to stop. I literally, my brain spins out of control. I mean, I've been in combat. I've been shot at. I've uh, raised three teenage boys, yeah. like, um, I like how that's equivalent to combat. Yeah, it, it
0: pretty much is equivalent.
2: It's just yeah, it's combat just spread out over seventeen years. Um, I'll never forget right in front of the fence. It's like um, I had that. You guys ever had that? Like everything slows down. It's from this massive injection of adrenaline. I found out later, but you have this. I had this moment of perfect clarity, and I remember thinking, "This is not going to end well." Yeah. yeah. What he did is he, he, didn't, he did not change his trajectory. He went straight into the fence. And right in front of the fence, he bucked so hard, he actually flipped over. And when he did that, he launched me, Superman, into the top steel beam. There's a three-inch rolled steel beam. And the entire left side of my skull was completely caved in. I broke every bone in my skull except for my jaw and my right cheekbone. I broke my neck. I shattered my shoulder, I lost eight teeth. And then um, another bar uh, hit, hit my, I crushed my rib cage and one of the broken ribs punctured my lung.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember that, thank goodness. But I woke up on the ground into more pain that I could, I, I, th- that I could put into words. I mean, it, this was beyond my breaking point. Um, I probably couldn't breathe. I didn't know that, but I couldn't breathe. The pain, the panic, and I was absolutely spinning out of control. And you know that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I could not find it in Scripture. You guys know where it is. You let me know. He can, he can handle anything, and he is with me, and that's different. But in this, so I'm yelling and screaming, and this is all cut over. This is not pretty. And there's people around me who were there, you know, we were all going to horseback together. So I'm like 80 yards away from them. They all ran over. And I can feel people hold me down, but I'm screaming and yelling and writhing, trying to get away from this pain. I didn't know that I was doing all this. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys there said, John, I just saw you relax so completely. It looked like you were sinking into the ground. And he goes, I thought I just watched some, my friend die. Mm. and it was in that moment guys that i was in god's presence he was standing right next to me on my right side and the love that was emanating like just it it just was like coming out in waves it literally had a physical weight to it Mm. it was like this love was like the fabric of the universe but it was like being at the um um the edge of the ocean at the beach you know and the waves are coming in over your body like i could feel the weight of it and as it washed over me all the pain and the panic and the fear that i was in was just completely erased hmm. wasn't even a memory it wasn't like it wasn't there i mean it was gone and i'll remember just sitting there basking in it. and as soon as i felt this as soon as uh, the the nanosecond I was in his presence the first thought that crossed my brain and I didn't even know I was how badly I was crushed was I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this because in that moment that I had never actually understood what unconditional love was I'd read about it I had always imparted the nature of everybody I know my own dad and people in life right I mean nothing is truly unconditional as people That's this was I knew I had knowledge that everything and anything I ever did in my past, good, bad or otherwise. And there's lots of all three categories um, was not even relevant to the relationship that he has with me right now and in the present. I mean, mind blown. And so think about the God of the universe is next to me and I'm feeling his love. And this is personal, like you would have, like with your with your wife. Right. Or if you're, you know, a woman listening with your husband, like he model, he gave us that as a gift to model what he already has with us. Think about your best moment and then times it by kind of like infinity. But this was personal. And then he spoke to me and it was a voice that came from everywhere and nowhere. And it was not to my ears. It was almost like, you know, in Ephesians 4, 6, it says, you know, God's above us and near us and in us. It's not just Holy Spirit in us. You know, the Trinity is everywhere, right? They're all linked. It was almost like the external father was talking to the internal father. Like there was like this connection, like almost like this thing flowing through me when he spoke is almost how it felt. Mm -hmm. And what he said was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Mm -hmm. And where I was, honestly, in my journey at the time, I didn't even know that came from Romans. We can talk more about that, too. I had drifted off that, that first love, that true love over my business career. And then he said, John, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said this verse, but he said it with a joy. It was not stern. And that is, the Lord giveth the Lord, taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And mm-hmm. that comes from Job, right? I didn't know that either. But I'm like, wow, he said that. But as and as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was blind, completely blind. It is all the bones behind the eye socket shattered and severed the optic nerve. So, but I woke up. Well, so then he left and I opened my eyes and I said to everybody there, I said, God, sir, you don't have to worry. It's going to be okay. Well, the, the woman next to me is an EMT. She's a believer. And um, she did not, she literally had zero expectations of me surviving until life flight helicopter got there and it was was going to take an hour and in that hour do you know that i was in no pain
1: Mm.
2: i didn't complain of any pain they'd never seen this before i was talking the whole time they said it was kind of like your brain was rebooting um but think about that so then i and then i i get to the hospital and they assessed me and they immediately called my wife and kids and said, you need to get up here. Right. Away. I was up in Montana. I live in Denver. They said, you need to get up here right away and bring the boys. Cause it doesn't look good. That was the message she got. And I ended up in ICU for five weeks. And then at Craig hospital down here in Denver with a severe traumatic brain injury for 20 months. Um, and it was a, it was a long road. And there's a, there's a lot to even talk in there about, you know, uh, you know, different faith elements, right? God says he's going to heal you. I mean, he's, you know, Lazarus, come on out, right? And he's like, okay, good to go. Let me take a shower. I'll join you for dinner. I'm like, okay. Um, I was texting my business partner saying, don't cancel those meetings in two weeks. God said he was going to heal me. I'm good to go. Well, I didn't know I was going to be in ICU for five weeks and have take my skull off twice for two brain surgeries, mm. So, you know, it, it it was it was an amazing time for me looking back on it now, how's that? Um, of growth. And you know, everything that we go through does have purpose. So there's probably a lot we could dig into around that, but maybe we can start there.
0: I, I think, you know, one of the things that when we start talking about generational leadership, so part of the main focus of of why we started the show was um A conversation around young adults, and I certainly, you know, we are the last people on earth to kind of dog a generation, right? But, but I think you know one of the big sort of stereotypical markers against Generation Z, if we want to go down that road, is that they 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 are not good with adversity. They don't they don't do well with resiliency, and so I think some of the conversations that you're having right now about purpose, about understanding who you are in christ first your your true identity like the nature of god how he operates in your life and and how he uses and redeems literally everything about your life every every mistake every failure every pain every hurt is redeemable in the hands of god right i mean it's it's all usable for his glory and for his kingdom so as young adults kind of learn and hear incredible stories like yours and it is an absolutely incredible story um, you know, the encouragement then is, is not so much. So, so the miracle is that you're still here talking to us, right? That's, that's the miracle. Let's just call that what it is. But the, but the purpose behind the miracle was not just so that you could feel better or be better or continue living the purpose behind the miracle. And I think this is, this is the driving point is for young adults to learn that resiliency does come through these incredibly difficult seasons of life, whether they be, you know, accidents like yours or whether they be relational hurts or abuse or whatever, right? That all of this is redeemable and that young adults can can take this adversity and they can they can use it to multiply their effect in the world. So the bottom line conversation is, and maybe you can just speak to this a little bit, is this. Why are we so why are we so avoidant of of the pain or of the adversity do you think kind of in this generation that we're in the culture that we're in right now
2: you know it's a good it's a great question. I've talked to my boys about this quite a bit um, Are we taught that as believers it's going to be easier? Do we feel because you know the the level of adversity most of us have is, have experienced is um it's hard to put us to put into context because maybe we feel like, uh, no, that's an, that's a great question, but here's what I think it is though. If you actually really study who God is and who you are and you trust him because God in, in scripture, I've read the Bible now cover to cover multiple times as you guys probably have too. He never promises us an explanation. Mm -hmm right he promises us you will have tribulation you will have trials and it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not this life is a life is rough and but it's also a team sport and it's how i it's the context and the perspective from which we choose it's a choice to look at it do i look at it from the perspective that that i'm a victim right? And I know there's been some people out there that have been victimized. So I, I don't want to use that word um, and, and, and discount anybody's actual experience, right? Because I've had some really painful experiences. But the question is, where, could some of those, do they define who I am? Okay. Or or what? what's the first thing God said to me? All things. All means all. That's all it means, right? It's all things work together for good. So even if I don't know it and I can't see it at the time, because think about it, I didn't want to go through two years in the hospital and I lost everything, finances gone, health gone. Like at the end of two years, it wasn't like, hey, John's good to go. No, I could literally walk. Uh, I was still learning to walk and speak. This was just now seven years ago. Um, I, had no, I had had no income for two and a half years. I mean, I was wiped out financially. I had a million dollar lien against me for medical bills. And that's when I decided, Hey, why not become an entrepreneur? I'll start this business. And doing that. <laughs> right. And my, I told my wife that and she's like, no, go, you, that's what God wants you to do. But I think it maybe if we look at frame it from this perspective, God, life doesn't happen to me. Life happens for me hmm. and, and, and God is there every step of the way. Now, Somebody listening, right? Did he know the accident was going to happen? Absolutely, right? I mean, not did it ever occur to us that nothing occurs to God. Like, I mean, that's just that's not the way it works. But um, it did happen, and and I can see now the beauty in it and the reason in it, and I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I, I I'll tell you this: what's been restored, which is one of my one of the biggest blessings in my life through this is my marriage and my relationship with my boys, which was heading in a really bad direction because I was a workaholic and I was kind of miserable and grumpy just because of being disconnected from purpose and who I was before the accident, quite frankly. Yeah. And today my family is beyond anything I'd ever hoped for when I was younger, when I was starting out and in and we were, me, Donna and I, we've been married 31 years now. But know it doesn't happen to me it happens for me and i I think it's a it's a difference between that mindset of looking at it um and also a a choice to trust god and i think part of it is is how do you trust somebody you really don't know Hmm. or or you don't like or you're not in a relationship with one of the things my just as an example for the young kids my son um, came out of high school. He was really, you know, he really struggled during this acting. He was my oldest son. He became almost a caregiver to my two younger boys because my wife was my caregiver. So he goes to college and starts just, he just pulls the ribcord, party and crazy fails out of, uh, Colorado school of mines after two semesters hung around another semester. I didn't know this just so he could party more. And then of course we got the bill for that. Um, but it was, do you know though, it was through that, through that horrible experience, and it was embarrassing, right? I failed, I failed out of college, I was known as the party guy. That God led him back. Uh, one of his friends invited him to a young adult group, and he started to reconnect to his faith. And then he's like, I have no idea what to do with my life. And through that, he gets um uh he applies to YWAM, youth with a mission, and goes overseas for nine months out of Norway, and he's in Africa absolutely transformed his life. So you actually look at, you know, if my son hadn't not had that season of just darkness, mm-hmm. there's no way I don't I mean God used all of it to connect him to who he was and what he's doing now, he's married. Like he's a different kid. Like he's on fire. If you met him, you'd be like, wow, there's something special there. Like that that kid is grounded, he is joyful, he is on purpose. And um so in the middle of it, though, for a long period of time, even for him as a 21-year-old, that wasn't that wasn't a fun season, but it led him to a season now that, man, he, he is fired up. Yeah.
1: You've not necessarily done a laundry list, John, but you have sort of scattered to our audience and to us the good that came out of it, which is an incredible story. You talk about your marriage and your boys and the ministry now you're doing, and um, I think Rob and I can attest to this. We've had ad- adversity, nothing like what you face, but God is very faithful to bring good out of bad times. Um, so we, we applaud that. That's incredible. I do want to touch on one thing you you've mentioned a couple of times and I've heard you talk about it at other times mentoring. You you've mentioned some incredible uh, mentors and men who have invested in your life. What, what has been sort of the key to finding the mentors to help you through different seasons and how are you mentoring others?
2: Well, I think, you know, we all need mentors. And, and first of all, so let's say, you know, anybody listening, I don't care whether you're, you know, 60 years old and you want to move into a new season or you're a college student. I, I've encouraged every one of my boys to find mentors, not, and not just their dad. Um, and here's what you do is, is you know what, uh, especially as Christians, right, we need to be fruit inspectors. So go look around and start asking yourself, who do I know that's maybe a few steps ahead of my career? Like the advice I gave my son, he's, he's 21, he's about to graduate college. I said, what if you went and found some folks that are alumni from your university that are in your field of study who you can just tell by either their title or their resume that it looks like they're, they've really done well, they've gotten traction, They've, they've really moved ahead, they've gotten some promotions. I mean, somebody who you can really relate to and then have a conversation with them and ask them, do they share your values, right? If they're married, how do they talk about their wife? If they're maybe a little bit older and they have kids, do they have a good relationship with their kids or are they more into partying and the whole social thing? Like, Because it's interesting, I uh, got out of the Navy and I was really struggling with what was next. And I met this guy, it was a networking event in San Diego. Found out he's a billionaire. I don't even know why he was at this event. It was actually, uh, but he wanted me to come work for him. And he told me he'd mentor me. And um, I was so excited about it. Like literally couldn't sleep that night. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get mentored by this guy. He's a billionaire. And I talked to my friend about it. A, a guy who I knew into church. He was an older guy at church who'd been, you know, kind of more of a spiritual, like this a little discipling relationship. to and he asked me these questions. Well, you know, what, what's his marriage like? I said, well, I'm not sure, but it's his third one. So maybe it's going to work out okay. <laughs> right? What's his relationship with his kids, right? Well, I, he doesn't talk to his kids. I do know that. But my God, he's got a house here. He's got a house here. He's got a Ferrari. He's like, okay, well, John, you can go get mentored by him, but you're going to have the same outcome. So if you want to be really wealthy and lonely, by all means, you should make that choice and go get mentored by him. I, I was like, oh, wow. That was that was real talk, so I actually chose not to get mentored by him because I didn't want that for that was I knew that that was out of alignment. So, but go find somebody and then guess what? Just ask them. But here's what it takes: instead of just blasting an email out and saying, "Hey Rob, will you be my mentor?" No, you got to You have to take time to develop a relationship, get to know somebody, figure out a way you can add value to them. Because trust me, people that are out there and they're serving and they're building something there's a lot of people that want their time and most people want their time because they're just kind of clinger clinger honors i'm just being honest yeah right they're not really people that are willing to look at what the other person did what what's the price they paid to get the results they have and and are willing to put in the work But on the other side of that though, everybody like you guys, I bet you could, you could probably rattle off a list of amazing names of, of people that have mentored you because everybody all the way up the chain. Think about it. Horst Schultz wrote the, the forward to my book. He was the founder and CEO of Ritz Carlton Hotels. We had a number of conversations over time and people have helped him his whole career. Even back when he was an 18 year old working in the as a busboy in a German hotel when he first had a dream of maybe he could own a hotel someday. He's had mentors the whole way. So he is, he mentored. I met somebody at Chick-fil-A yesterday. And I, it was so cool. And she told me that a horse has been her mentor for the last three years. It's been transformative. Hmm. So just ask. It's amazing when you ask, and it's not like, Hey, let's get together every week, but maybe we get together once a month. And then trust me, when you're a mentee, Think about it. If you let's say you're sitting down with uh, Rob and he gives you some, some you have this great session. Shoot him an email and summarize the what you guys talked about, and say here are my takeaways and my action steps. Hey Rob, here's the stuff that you can hold me accountable to. Hey, this thing here I'm really unclear of. Would you mind if maybe I shot you an email in a week or two and got your thoughts? Because I'm not going to suck a whole bunch of time from somebody, but I want them to know that I'm taking action on what they're sharing with me and that they're really valued
0: yeah
2: and let's say Jeff says hey you got to go meet with this guy you got to go meet with Bob well I'm going to go meet with Bob and have a conversation and then immediately shoot you an email say oh my gosh thank you so much that was awesome or hey thank you so much but mm-hmm. it really went nowhere um, we just really didn't click and just wanted to let you know that too but yeah. keep that we have a responsibility as a mentee when you if you do that trust me your mentor is going to go to the mat for you yeah but that's going to take time we got to put time in um, and as a mentor I'll, you know the folks that are out there mentoring I, I actually now set up kind of those frameworks because just because I have so many people that do want to mentor with me now and I don't have time for everybody who wants to <clears throat> so I work with those people that I know are, taking my time and they're actually going out and we're and we're
1: together you know doing something with it yeah no that's cool wow that's the 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 nuts and bolts of that john and then the advice to the mentee like i think we've talked a lot about mentoring on the show but but the, the what you said, find a way to add value to them mm-hmm. as the mentee. I don't know that every, anybody's ever verbalized on our show, which is an incredible principle. We have a lot of young leaders who listen and they're always like, Hey, I wanna find somebody to mentor me. I wanna you know, they, they, they want to gain. But the, the value you just gave of giving back is significant because that, the relationship has to have some reciprocity, some reciprocalness to it. Yeah. Um, that's incredible wisdom to, to the younger listeners. Actually, every listener we have yeah. and, and me. I'm a, I wrote that one down. I wrote that one down right there. <laughs>
2: hey, hey, here's a, can I tell you just a quick example? Yeah. So my son, is every, he got really clear on what he wanted to do. He wanted to get into restoration ecology as a, as a major. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going back to school for. And I said, hey, why don't we go on LinkedIn and find as many people as we can that are like at the top of their field and just reach out to them and see if they'll have a conversation with you on Zoom. So he and I um, found through my account, uh, I think like four or five people, top, absolute top in their field. And he sent them a note, like, here's why I want to go in the field and I'm interested. And would you be open to just having a short Zoom call? One of the guys who's like one of the top guys in this country Got back to my son and they had a Zoom call and they spent two hours together. Hmm. And then the guy, um, like, because people had mentored him when he was getting in the field. And then he introduced my son to people he knows here in the Colorado area. And then he told them, no, don't be in this major, be in this one. This is the future of this field. And here's why, which is why he's in this major right now. And honestly, sometimes you just reach out to people and ask and people say yes, because I think people (laughs) can help. I do. I think people really are wired to how ha- we're kind of wired to help each other out, and people like to help.
1: Yeah, yeah. we we found that true on this show with yeah. with guests. We've so. we've
2: laughed a bunch of times about how
1: many people have said yes to us. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: well, you guys yeah. are awesome. This is I, I I this is fun. I'll we're gonna we need to have you guys come on on our podcast. Anytime. We love that. Yeah, we yeah, love
1: anytime. that. Rob, take us home.
0: Yeah. So we got one final question, and we ask everyone on the show uh, the same question, and so here it is. What is one lesson that you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom?
2: Oh, that's easy. Um, I got really good at avoiding campus police. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> um, well, it's true, but uh, that's a whole other story. No, you know what I found in um, college is what is still with me to this day is the relationships.
0: Yeah,
2: those I got to tell you the front. It the friendships and relationships I formed with college, you know what, the core guys that came around me during my accident were the guys that were my buddies back from 84 to 88. I mean, we're talking what 30, 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're still my friends today and they've been my support system. They've been from job opportunities to being in each other's way. well. I mean, we've done life together. Um, and I got to tell you that I think that's, I think, that's one of the big lessons i learned in college not in the classroom it's just the importance of having you know just real real friends yeah that's awesome and
0: and we've certainly heard that echoed many many times well john it has been a joy to have you on the show um loved hearing your story and um looking forward to getting a holding hold of the copy of the book myself but uh anyway so thank you so much and as we always say here at the leadership drip man you've got a seat at the table
1: thanks for coming on john Yeah, thank you guys. Have a great one.
0: All right, blessings to you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode helped you lead better, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may share it to our channels. We appreciate you taking time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.